On July 8th, as Americans across the nation recovered from a long weekend celebrating Independence Day, President Joe Biden announced the imminent withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan. Speaking from the East Room of the White House, Biden said the United States had accomplished its goals post 9-11, and it was time to bring the nearly 20-year war in Afghanistan to an end. After 20 years, a trillion dollars spent training and equipping hundreds of thousands of Afghan national security and defense forces. 2,448 Americans killed, 20,722 more wounded, and untold thousands coming home with unseen trauma to their mental health. I will not send another generation of Americans to war in Afghanistan with no reasonable expectation of achieving a different outcome. At the same time, the Taliban, a militant Islamist group that had seized control of the country in the past, was two months into a new campaign to bring Afghanistan back under its control. As Biden took the podium at the White House, the Taliban had already seized more than a third of the country's districts, and their sights were set on the capital, Kabul. Biden set a deadline of August 31st for the full withdrawal of Americans and American forces from Afghanistan. But with the deadline just two weeks away, the Taliban violently and swiftly seized control of Kabul, with a speed that surprised even the Taliban themselves. The Taliban reportedly offered the U.S. military security control of the city, but the U.S. declined, setting its sights instead on the international airport and the massive evacuation effort that was to follow. What actually followed was pure chaos, as Afghans scrambled to find a way to escape Afghanistan, in fear of what the country could look like in a second round of Taliban rule. Videos flooded the internet of infants being passed over crowds to U.S. Army personnel and Afghan men running after planes at the airport. Amid the chaos, Afghan President Ashraf Ghani fled, even as many American citizens were left behind. It was in these days that a seemingly innocuous email appeared in CNA's inbox. Being a news agency, we get a lot of mail, and this email might have slipped through the cracks if it hadn't caught the attention of Kelsey Wicks, Catholic News Agency's operations manager. The message turned out to be a desperate plea for help. This week on CNA Newsroom, Kelsey shares the story of an Afghan Christian whose tragic situation is, like the situation of his home country, still unfolding. His story provides a glimpse into the experience of the people of Afghanistan these past several weeks as their country fell back into the hands of the Taliban. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host, Jonah McKeown. I first heard from Kareem on August 24th. By the way, as you may have guessed, Kareem is not his real name. We gave him a pseudonym to protect his identity. The emotion and fear conveyed by the message was palpable. Please help me, the email read. I have no one without you. You are my last hope. When I saw Kareem's first email, it immediately struck me as credible. But it's a journalist's job to be skeptical, and initially my colleagues and I had no way of knowing for sure if the email was really from a fellow Christian, as it claimed, or just simply a scam. After Kareem shared his passport and other documents with CNA to corroborate his identity, for the next few days, I and CNA's executive director, Alejandro Bermudez, 
exchanged messages with Kareem via WhatsApp. Kareem is a young Afghan, one of countless thousands still desperate to escape his country as the Taliban took hold. He briefly worked for the U.S. military and other allied forces, not long enough to attract much attention for it. The real danger for Kareem comes from the fact that he is a convert to Christianity, making him, in the eyes of the Taliban, an apostate and deserving of death. On his way to the airport, as Kareem attempted to flee the country, his mother called him with the news that the Taliban had killed his father and brother. They, too, had worked with Allied forces during the war. According to the U.S. government, more than 120,000 people were flown out of Kabul prior to the completion of the U.S. pullout on August 30th. To date, some 40,000 Afghan refugees have arrived at U.S. military bases in the United States. But countless other endangered Afghans, including many Christians like Kareem and others in the Taliban's crosshairs, were left behind. Helping Kareem is complicated for a number of reasons. While he worked at a U.S. military base, he was employed there for less than the one year of service time required to receive a special immigrant visa for Afghans who were employed by or on behalf of the U.S. government. And even if he had worked the necessary time frame and had all the required documents to prove it, the U.S. Embassy in Kabul that was processing visa requests had closed. It is possible Kareem could make a case for what's called a Priority 2 or P2 visa, which applies to vulnerable minority populations, among others, but that eligibility category does not explicitly mention Christians or other religious minorities, a fact that has sparked widespread criticism. I was in the midst of exchanging messages with Kareem when the news broke. As dusk fell in Kabul earlier today, a pair of suicide bombers detonated explosives at a busy airport gate. Government also attacked crowds of Afghanis. There was a separate bombing at a nearby... A suicide bombing at the Abbey Gate, the same location where Kareem was waiting for a miracle. The suicide bombing by a regional affiliate of the Islamic State, ISIS-K, killed 13 U.S. service members and more than 100 Afghans. There has been a blast at the airport, I wrote. Are you okay? Kareem, are you there? No response. An hour passed. Then two. Then three. Finally, Kareem was alive. He had been there at the gate that morning when the blast happened. Hours later, Kareem sent me a voice message. We've distorted the clip heavily to protect Kareem's identity. He told me he was in hiding in the corner of a building near the airport. In the brief recording, his weak voice is shot through with loneliness and fear. I am so hopeless that there is no one coming for me, to help me and save my life. Kareem's despair deepened as the hours and days passed by with no fresh hope of rescue. Allegations continue to be reported that officials within the State Department and the U.S. military are obstructing efforts to airlift civilians out of the country. Kareem was terrified, his mind fixated on rumors that the Taliban were torturing people with what he called skin punishments. At one point, according to American media reports, Taliban soldiers were whipping people outside the airport gates with cables. I can only compare this experience of communicating with Kareem with keeping vigil at the bedside of a loved one who is preparing for death. It felt like I was accompanying the suffering Christ, 
unable to do anything to help this fellow Christian except to provide words of comfort from half a world away and pray. We hear all the time about persecuted Christians, but Kareem's story is so illustrative of the visceral danger that stalks our brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan. The words of Kareem should haunt each of us as they do me. Does Christian life matter or not? The response to this question begins with prayer. How can you help Kareem? How can you help the others whose stories are not told? Each of us can remember Kareem and the others like him who suffer and keep prayerful vigil alongside our brothers and sisters as they walk the way of crucifixion. We do not know what Kareem's fate will be. He remains in hiding, waiting for the unknown future. Last week, Kareem sent a video message to CNA asking that it be made public if he should die. He says that the Taliban have the names of Christian converts whom they are hunting. The Taliban continues to hunt him. But he says the connection he has with CNA is giving him at least some measure of hope. You two are keeping me hopeful and strong these scariest days of my life, he wrote. The real source of his hope, though, is his faith in Jesus Christ, a faith we share with him despite the 5,000 miles which may as well be a million between us. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Kelsey Wicks. This story is still developing. Since we reported the story, several other persecuted Christians have reached out to us for assistance. Keep an eye on catholicnewsagency.com for any updates on Kareem as we receive them, and please keep all persecuted Christians in your prayers. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency and a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, Jonah McKeown. I produce and edit this show along with our executive producer, Kate Oliveira. Please rate and review CNA Newsroom on your favorite podcast app if you appreciate our show. See you next week.